<clears throat> well, good morning. Um, I really felt the presence of the Lord this morning, and I hope you did too. Um, thanks to our worship team, who is so faithful to do that, lead us there. Um, I want to thank them for Friday night and Saturday morning for coming and um, bringing the presence of the Lord before we got ministered to and, and lots of wealthy information given to us. Um, <clears throat> and also, I want to thank the kids that help watch the kids Friday night to make it available for the parents to be a part of the service. Um, Mike and Marilyn, Tom mentioned they are living out of boxes and then just moved back to California. Um, they are here. We've had a great weekend. They've helped us as um, parents, grandparents, teachers, leaders to be in Papa's presence and um, that we can in turn take that to our families and our children and, and our children in our church. And um, they um, bought their treasure, ch treasure chest and dumped on us this weekend. And um, I think, I don't know, I speak for myself or for you, but um, I was challenged and changed inside about getting in Papa's presence and um, even in my own family's life. So um, I think there was quite a few families touched here as well this weekend. But um, I want to thank them for coming out and be blessed. And they have lots to share with you. And just open your treasure chest to receive from them. Am I on? Yes, you are. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> I'm going to get my water. Just going to stay a while. Yeah. While he's getting his water. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for having us here. What a, it, I tell you what, I can't believe what we get to do. I'm, we are so blessed that we get to travel and we get to meet so I'm gonna many amazing. I'm going to pinch you. Amazing you're, you're, you're awake. Yeah. I'm awake. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that we just get so many wonderful people. It's so encouraging that we, we see the people of God and how many hungry there people, people there are. Because I was just thinking because um, we could look at the world and be very discouraged what's going on in our country and the world. And, but we get to go to a place and meet people like you. And we see God is doing such amazing. There's a groundswell yeah. growing. There, I just really was feeling that. So you guys are part of this, this groundswell. And the ground is starting to move. And um, I, I just, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Um, do you want me to share anything more? Oh, go for it. Oh, yeah. okay. This is your chance. Um, this is my yeah. chance. Because yeah. once he gets the mic, it's like it's done. It. Oh, we already have that. Oh, we have two. I'm already wired. Oh, okay. they gave us two. That's dangerous. Yeah. Um, how many of you have been here over the uh, any time over the weekend? Wow. Thank okay. you. Thank you for making. And they came back on Sunday. I know. That's good. <laughs> well, thank you for That's taking your, your Friday right. night and your Saturday and and uh, yeah. and coming. We do appreciate it. Um, I'll just give a real. So the rest of you just kind of get caught up. I'll just give a Reader's Digest version. Yeah. Who are we? Um, We've been in children's ministry for 30-some years, and um, we got called by this, oh, yes, there was this great calling of God, or not. Yeah, um, it was entitled, This is Your Destiny. No, no it, was, it wasn't. Um, no. We were like most parents. We had a three-year-old son. We were going to a little church. Of about And one 50. Sunday, Mike would be out in the parking lot with our son, and the next Sunday it would be we were taking turns, you know, because there was nothing for the children. And they said, well, we need somebody to do children's ministry. And our thought, we thought, well, why not? We're, got, we're out of church half the time anyway. <laughs> so, so began our journey uh, from that little beginning. And, and our training, uh, you know what our training was? Is we went to the pastor's wife. She had a little box. Yeah. It had, a, it had a, 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 a little teaching manual in it. And she 
handed it to us and said, Here. there you go. And that was our training. So <laughs> It came along with a big need. Yeah, okay. it came along. But, but, but it has been an amazing journey. Uh, it hasn't always been easy. There's been a lot of sacrifice when you um, go to a church and you've been there for seven years and you finally show up for the Sunday morning service and then the new people are asking you if you're a visitor. Um, <laughs> you know that you guys, how many of you know that kind of, that feel like that mm. kind of story? Like, you know, hey, you know, uh, I felt like a visitor almost. But God has been so faithful, and I just want to say it has been a pleasure to be the journey that we, that we are on. I, I would like, I look back and I go, is there anything that I regret about it? And, I, I, and yeah, we missed a lot of Sundays, but we got so much from the children. We have received mo so much more from the children than we have given out. It is just a joy. So uh, we get to see the kids that come back years later I think that's the joy of, of being in it for the long, the long haul, is you get the joy of having those kids come back later on and still go, hey, I remember you when I was, I had you when I was in the second grade, and I'm going, I'm looking at them, and they're all grown up, and I'm going, oh, Lord, help me remember, who is this child? <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but there's those times, it's, I'm going to just get off on this, I don't know why I'm off on this, but there's those times when you're, there's a child that's extremely challenging, I'm going to tell the story of Ben. I think I've told you the story of Ben. Uh, he was one of our more challenging children. His mom and dad were going through a pretty ugly divorce, and he was angry child. He was hurting. He would come into Sunday school, and it was, and you go, oh, Ben's here. Because you know that that was going to take one person to be dealing with Ben that day. And he would do everything. He would just be, he would be disrespectful. He would be mean. He would everything to Mike. He just would just push, just try to push that limit. And every Sunday, Mike loved him. Ben moved on, and about, probably about six years later, we're at church one night. And here comes this young gentleman up to us. And he walked up to Mike, and he goes, Mike, I want to say thank you for loving me. Even when, uh, unconditionally loving me, even when I was being so, such a pain. You loved me. And so we go, well, Ben, what are you doing? Well, he's serving on a YWAM mercy ship. So I want those of you that are working with the kids now, they might have a challenge. But oh my gosh, when the day comes like that and, you just that, and you're just going, oh, Jesus, thank you for the honor of giving mm -hmm. me the opportunity to impart into a life. So just want you to be encouraged. And you don't have to be in the class. You can be just any day, any, any time, speak encouraging word to the children. So that was my three thing. Is there anything mm. else you want me to share? No, no, it's, it's all yours. Okay. You still have the mic. <laughs> the what? I'm done. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is a joy to, to be uh, in, in your house, and this, this house, as I've gotten to meet uh, a number of you, it's just been uh, like um, an extended family. Uh, the, the hospitality, the, 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 the hearts, the warmth here, uh, just the, uh, the connection of hearts, the likeness of heart, is, um, it's just uh, been a joy to us, and we thrive on 
making relationships. Because the bottom line is this, as there's, you know, revelation from heaven being released and picked up by individuals who carry, um, you know, the, the fresh manna from heaven. One thing causes the kingdom to grow more than anything else. One thing causes the, the kingdom of God to advance, and that is the formation of relationships. And this weekend, you know, I can tr say personally that the kingdom of God is advancing with the new friends, with uh, the like hearts, the sharing of stories, the sharing of our testimonies with one another, magnifying God, and just again, um, um, just uh, mag magnifying, praising, and acknowledging of what, how alive and well God and his kingdom is on this planet. It's exciting. One of the things that we get to do as Marilyn and I get to live our dream by saying yes to children's ministries over 33 years ago is that we get to travel uh, all over this planet. And what I'm doing t today, you know, it was meeting with you guys, we get to do this all over the world. And we are encouraged just to hear, to see, to hear their testimony as well of what God is doing in Europe, what God is doing in the Middle East, what he's doing in the nations you would never dream God would even have a foot in the door. But here's the encouraging word today that God is, our God is not being thwarted anywhere on this planet. He's having his way. I want you to catch that. I don't want you to gaze upon the headlines. You need to, we need to look at the headlines for the sake of relevancy and know what's going on. But I'll, I want to invite you to not gaze at the headlines, but to rather gaze on heaven in this hour. What is heaven's excitement? What is heaven's invitation? What is going on? There is no urgency in heaven today, but there is an excitement. There's no emergency going on in heaven. What's going on, what we read about in the Headlines uh, this past week about Syria did not catch uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit by surprise. They have not called in an emergency meeting saying, okay, what are we going to do with this? Although it may look on our, uh, we, you know, we're on the stage, you know, and, you know, maybe the lights aren't on yet. And that's all we can see is this darkness. But the light's about to come on. The theater is always the darkest before that stage light blasts on. And it may seem like that's what we see, what's going on. But there is no emergency. There is no ex urgency in heaven. But there's an excitement and an invitation to you and me. Because the stage is being set. And so often, the Lord's going to let the enemy overplay his hand. And then, <laughs> you guess who steps on the scene? In all his glory. We get to read about it. We get to read about it. That's the script has already been written, hasn't it? The invitation is, do you want to be part of, uh, uh, of the cast? Because there is a curtain call and the invitation to step on stage. And it's kind of like in that context that I want to share some of the things that are in my heart. I only have a couple hours. So, <laughs> and what, but it's amazing. You know, you try coming, you know, sitting up here, you have this incredible worship team that I'm sure heaven uh, heard the music, but what really caught um, heaven's attention today was a song from their heart, which is irresistible. Yes. 
which elicits uh, a response of heaven to open up. And when heaven opens up, all the resources become available. All the promises, all the, all the goodness, all the lavishness that the, the Father has, all the character of the Father is now um, ready to be revealed when there's an open heaven. I think I like this house so much is because the openness of heaven feels like home. It feels good. And, and what Mike was saying about, you know, sing, doesn't matter what you sound like. Because when you sing unto the Lord from your heart, it's perfect pitch. And it not only becomes a, a beautiful sound, but there's just an aroma that's irresistible. It's like walking past Starbucks. You know, it's just <laughs> irresistible. It's awesome. And God's just saying, yes, I'm here. I'm just, and it's so great, you know, I'm just catching what you guys do in expressing and operating and demonstrating the kingdom of God. As this heaven's opening up, there's a prayer team here. God's ready to give and, and give whatever he wants because he's a good daddy that withholds no good thing. And he's just got this whole kingdom ready to dump on you. I mean, that's what this house is. You know, just from an outsider coming in this weekend, you're blessed, you're honored, you, you're loved by God. Wet kisses and all. So... Um, yeah, like Marilyn said, you know, we've been involved in children's ministry for, lo, these many years, uh, several decades, at least over three decades. And, you know, we have seen moves of God come and go. Who? Oh, I'm not old, but just for the record. But the thing is, um, you know, we've seen moves of God come and go, and, uh, but I've got to tell you, without any reservation, that right now, today, has got to be the most exciting time to be involved in children's ministry, whether you're on a ministry team at church or a parent. Now, remember, I said, don't look at the headlines. Don't look at it with your eyeballs, but gaze upon heaven, and this is the greatest time to be a parent. The stage is being set with, for something incredibly amazing. There is, hence, the excitement of heaven. And, you know, I, I like, um, you know, because what we used to do in the past, you know, prior to this present move that we're in. And, folks, we are in a definable, recognizable, uh, powerful, dynamic move of God today. You know, people of old have dreamed about it. You know, in the, you know we, I've been a Christian for a number of years, and in the, you know, I was thinking back, in the 1970s, we had the charismatic movement. Um, in the 1960s, before that, I was, when I got saved, that we had the Jesus movement. So we had the charismatic movement highlighting the Holy Spirit. Right before that, we had the Jesus movement highlighting uh, Jesus Christ. And then in the 90s, we started hearing about the Father's blessing. All right? So the highlight of the Father is love, which has catapulted it in as the catalyst today and the momentum of today's present move of God. But we've, we've had a decade of, um, of, of the Jesus movement, a decade of of the charismatic Holy Spirit movement, and now the, f the movement of, you know, the Father's blessing and the revelation of His heart and goodness. Where are we today? We've run out of the Trinity. <laughs> what, what move? Where are we today? You know, but I see it, it's, it's the culmination and fulfillment of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which really brings us to a precipice or to an edge or 
the curtain's about to rise up. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. I just, you know, considering that, you know, I was involved in all those movements. And like I said, this is the best one. And your children, your families, your homes, your household, your church is an integral key part. Each one of us, each one of our homes, each one of our children, each one of our families is a dynamic, key, unique piece to this puzzle called the kingdom of God that God is fashioning, formed, and thought of, and created to show to the world who he is, what his kingdom looks like, and who we are. I want you to grasp this. I want you to just take hold of this dynamic, significant time of making heaven jump out of their seats. And so this is where we're at. You know where we used to teach on how to capture a child's attention when we do our workshops uh, with, with uh, other uh, Sunday school teachers, children's ministers. You know, when we teach on how to do the puppets, how to do object lessons, how to do a dramas, because we know if we can capture a child's attention long enough, we can give them the gospel, we can give them an altar call, we can get them saved, and boy, that was close, because we only had one more minute of their attention left. But since we're in this present move, in this grace, and this anointing, and this a release from heaven, it has just cleared that whole slate. Because we're no longer after a child's attention. Because when you're after a child's attention, you're, the goal is to change their behavior. You want them to behave a certain way. That's all been, um, re- that has been cleared away and wiped clean. Because today, with what God is releasing, the fresh manna of heaven, the invitation for intimacy. I mean, where else would you hear about sloppy wet kisses in church in the past? I'm just saying, okay? But because of what God is revealing, Papa God, we get to call the creator of the universe, the almighty, omnipotent, omniscient, God, he's an intimate, loving Papa with a lap that's big enough for every one of us here today. And the invitation to come, to embrace Because in his kingdom, there's no orphans, only sons and daughters. And so we're also hearing about this grace and this release from heaven to raise up fathers and mothers. But we cannot be a father or mother until we're a son or a daughter. When we learn that we have a papa who is withholding no good thing, and that we have a, a sure and firm and true identity. We don't have to, uh, we and our children do not have to go shopping around and seeing what the inferior world has to offer to fill that void that each and every one of us has been created with. Uh, a perfect fit that fits the heart and love of the Father, of Papa God. That's the only thing that's ever going to, to fit. And we've seen the train wrecks of where, other, where people have tried to take something else and jam that square peg into that round hole to our destruction, to their destruction. 
But what a grace move we get to enjoy this today. God choosing this time to reveal in no uncertain terms without anything held back about who he is, that he may have a restored, healed, identified body. That's what he wants. That's who he wants to represent him on this planet today. Whether you're in this room, whether you're at work tomorrow, at school, at the mall, stores, playground, wherever. This is who he wants to represent him in love and in power. It's, it's that simple. You know, I like when Jesus came to earth, he, want, you know, he revealed the Father, and he wanted to teach on the kingdom, and he did it often by demonstration and often by illustration. And so the things that he would use, the everyday things, you know, going down a vineyard and talking about how the kingdom of heaven's like this vineyard or how a field that a man bought or ten virgins or so-and-so, and, you know, trying to teach us where we're at an understanding of a supernatural spiritual phenomenon. That's more real than the aches and pains you have or what you see and feel or had for breakfast. And, and if, if I, I can make an analogy, if today I think Jesus was, was just speaking up here and said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like an oil exploration ship in the North Sea, let's say. And the purpose of this um, ship is to discover where the treasure or where the oil is underneath the surface of the sea. So how do they go about to discover it? Well, the, the, sh the exploration ship will send out a sound and, uh, and a burst of a sound to the uh, ocean floor. And so you have the, the engineers listening intently for the echo or the, the, the response to that sound. If the engineers hear the favorable response or the sound or the echo or the frequency back from the sound that they released, they say, ah, oh, this place has potential. This place needs to be explored. This place needs to be drilled. And it will be that place that they heard the sound coming back that they, that they camp over and they will begin to drill the oil that was hiding under there based on the response back. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like that. There's a sound emanating from heaven of the Father's heart, of his kingdom, of his love, of his goodness, of, that, of his invitation for intimacy. And it's, that sound has gone over this entire planet and over here and over there. Heaven's hearing the response, the response to that sound of heaven of the response of the Father's invitational heart. And wherever heaven hears that response, that cry, that hunger for more, we're going to drill here. We're going to camp here. We're going to pour out here because there's a response. And it's that hunger for more of him. And those are the places that are mapped, whether it's an individual, whether it's a church, or whether it's a region. And God is establishing his kingdom this way.
And even though we had, Marilyn and I had trouble finding this church on GPS and getting our directions over here, this house is known and mapped in heaven. And I'm, it's just, you know, I'm going to walk in and, and I just feel like, yeah, the, the, you're known. Your leadership is known. You're known. Your, your hearts have created a favorable place for heaven to open up and to camp here and to establish and to become a reservoir itself just to, to drill, to pipe, and then to send out. And I just believe that's, that's, the, that's what God sees. That's what heaven sees when he looks upon uh, this place. But you're mapped. You're known in heaven. And that's uh, something that delights, delights God. So, you know, we, this present move of God, you know, if it's like a dot here where it's been, okay, it's been happening, and there's been an evolution. There's have, has been a, a, a development. There's been a growing of this present move. And what's t- um, you know, taking place, uh, I look back, and, and, you know, and looking even at, in past moves of God, how does a move of God evolve? How does it begin? Well, oftentimes, there will be just uh, a revelation from heaven, a fresh revelation. You know, we talked about the Jesus, charismatic, and... Uh, the, the Father's blessing movements, but there's just a, like a a burst or that sound I was talking about, and it, it seems like it gets picked up initially by certain individuals, um, and we can look back, and those individuals often become the apostolic fathers of a movement of God. We look back, John Wimber. Um, uh, today we have a, a number, uh, Bill Johnson. I know, I know personally, but. It's though these individuals uh, receive and then they ca- begin to carry it. And so what takes place? They, they'll go, the, you know, there'll be conferences, there'll be messages, there'll be DVDs, uh, all kinds of um, ways to communicate what God is doing in this hour. So how does this thing progress? Well, this is where the fivefold just begins to work beautifully in moving God's kingdom in the body. You know, up comes, you know, here comes, you know, on the stage, the pastor. He catches, he hears, and he begins to receive what God has been releasing to the apostolic fathers. He may go to a, a conference or, or, or hear, hear, begin to hear these messages. He takes this manna now, or this yeast, let's call it, and what he gets to do, this is how the, the fivefold works so beautifully together, takes the takes this, this yeast and then brings it back to, to his home church, to his, his congregation, and begins to work it into, into the body. How, how important, how significant is the pastor in a, in, a, in a movement of God? Because this is what's happening all over the world. And so if the pastor begins to work it and move it into, uh, in, into the, the, the worship team, uh, the, 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 the youth ministry, um, prayer ministry in bringing the message to the, to, to, to the congregation and eventually to um, maybe the children's ministry. And so it seeps and works and kneads it into uh, the fabric of the body of Christ. And uh, you know, I just have to say that you know, as I just met Pastor Eric uh, two days ago, 
and just immediately fell in love with your pastor. You have the consummate pastor. I mean, he just drips uh, wherever he goes, and he's so approachable, just so loving and giving, and he is the quintessential shepherd. And uh, you guys are so, so blessed to have such a man uh, <laughs> as, as, uh, as your leader, as a leader here. But then, you know, it does work into the fabric um, of even the children's ministry. And what we're getting to see today is that what as senior leaders now are catching or being just uh, apprehended and transformed by this present move of God, instead of years taking place of where it finally gets into the fabric of children's ministry and into the homes even, um, it's almost immediate. There's some th things happening where we just moved from these different churches that are just catching that sound I was talking about. And how they're, you know, they come back from a conference or whatever and they say, we're going to change the name of our church and we're going in this direction now because I have been wrecked. I, I'm, I'm transformed and I want this for my church. But the gap of time of when they were apprehended and transformed and wrecked to where they want to incorporate it into um, the children's ministry is just getting very compressed. We are in an accelerated time, guys. Things are moving fast. And the invitation is to get on board because that's where we're at. And so what, I, and then what we're noticing is where, you know, we, we talk about how can we, br you know, bring heaven to earth? How can we bring the presence of God which is shifting the whole dynamic and paradigm of children's ministry, how can we bring um, a, a presence-based children's ministry? And so um, pastors, children's pastors in the past would ask, how can I bring God's presence into our ministry, into our, in our classroom, into our children's church? Well, what's happening today is that moms and dads and parents are asking that same question. How can I bring heaven into my home? There is a shift in this spotlight. It seems like there's now an, almost a, a focus and an emphasis on raising up um, our children to know Papa God, the Creator as Papa, to know who they are. Because we often talk about, uh, you know, the, the new language, the new lingo of this present move, and one of them is kingdom culture. God's designed from the very beginning, and I want to share in a moment about that our children, a generation that's going to rise up to become overcomers, to become the Daniels and the Daniels. It's going to happen the old-fashioned way, the original way. God's in first inten intentional way, and that was going to be in the structure of the home, where our moms and our dads, moms and dads, you have your kids for 3,000 hours a year. The typical average church has your children 200 hours a year. You know, do the math. So I'm, p I'm speaking to uh, primary children's pastors today. I mean, you, you, have been, uh, you have been commissioned to be the children's pastors. And, uh, and, and, and your goal from God is to do just one thing for your kids, to help them 
fall in love with God. If it's only that long, your commission. The role of the church is to represent who God is on planet Earth, to de help demonstrate, to help show just who this God is. And by doing that, they come alongside of you, mom and dad. This is their purpose, to equip, to encourage, to affirm, hold your hand as necessary, to be there for you, to fulfill the calling that God has ordained you to do. Just that simple. And not to take the responsibility, but to come alongside. You know, think of it as a church being yellow and you being red. And there's a synergy. God's design, the first two institutions of, of church and family, the church and the home, synergizing together becomes the launching pad, becomes the marinade, becomes the culture that our kids would be immersed in to be transformed into their destiny. It's that simple. So you can see now, I think the enemy has known this all along, right? Why else would he attack marriages, family, disruptions in, in the church? Because when the two merge, when the two synergize, it becomes a launching pad. When those two mountains, I'm, I'm sure pastors probably talked about like the seven mountains of, of influence of our culture, you know, church, family, business, government, ed education, entertainment. But when those first two uh, mountains of those institutions come together and create orange, when there's that w working together, and that coming together becomes the launching pad for our generation to rise up to be an influence, not just survive, not just to be protected from uh, what seems to be a Babylonian environment, but to break through that and to rise up and be the influence in that culture. This is the plan of God. This is what God sees. He's going to have his way. And the only question is, you know, um, is it going to be our kids? I'm going to share. Um, you know, we often say that what we value, what we celebrate, what we've received becomes our spiritual DNA. We've heard that. But, you know, just like, you know, something can be on an individual. And, and similarly, something can be on a church. We can say, well, we were this, we're that. You know, this is what we're about. But conversely, there there's can be something in a person or in a church rather than just on a church. So what's the proof of DNA? The proof of DNA is looking at the trait of the offspring. If we say that we embrace this, we embrace uh, what God is doing in this hour, and uh, when, you know, we're being transformed and this is who we are, and then we say this is our DNA, spiritual DNA now. Well, one way to prove that is to look and see what is that trait in our kids. You know, mom and dad have red hair. Or how come 
Johnny has blonde hair. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So what are, you know, the proof of who we say we are is not just in us, but it's expressed just like DNA is expressed in, in the, our offspring. So God thought that this was significant. You know, our, you know again, the purpose of the church is to represent, to demonstrate, and to show the world the nature and character of God. So we know that um, God is a God of worship. And I'm seeing how this church, you know, and how so many churches pour into a worship ministry into their program and do such a great job. We know that God is also known as a God of nations. And we know what church doesn't have mission teams going out. Why? Because that's who God is. And we're going to express the God of nations in our missions program. We're going to express that God is the God of worship in what we pour into and celebrate in our worship as well. But you know, God is also a God of generations. And so how do we, as a church, express that character and nature of God? In the very first um, connection that God had with man, with Adam, there was uh, an understanding of, of provision and descendants, that Adam and Eve would have children for the purpose of expanding his kingdom. And even in his relationship with Abraham, um, there was a premise for making the covenant with him. Um, Genesis 18, 17 through 19 says this, rhetorically actually. It says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So he's asking this question that he's, about, that he's going to answer. He's not seeking information here. The thing is, that he's choosing Adam, a covenant. He wants to have a relationship with him. And the destiny and the fruit and the result is that he's going to be um, a leader of, of a mighty nation. It's going to become a great and mighty nation. But then here's, the, here's why. And here's the premise. And here's the expectation that God has. For I have chosen him in order that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice in order that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. Okay, there's, this, there's this condition or this expectation or this premise. Um, we know Father Abraham, we're going to, we sing songs about him. We're going to, um, God is intending and has a, is very intentional about the, the purpose of his covenant to make a great and mighty nation. And he wants to, because God wants to display his greatness through us. But it's going to require a relationship. But there's conditions to this relationship. In order that Abraham might take my relationship, my promises, my lavishness, my glory, my goodness, not just to uh, be celebrated for a generation, but in order that... Abraham's children and his children's children would also carry this thing to through the generations. Okay, continuing on, um, uh, Genesis 17, verse 9 through 10. Let's go back here. Listen to this. 
God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, ding, uh, after, you, after you throughout their generation. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Okay, now it sounds like God's starting to repeat himself here. Now, God's not repeating himself because he's a forgetful old man. But rather, he is establishing a dynamic principle, a foundation, so that the hardness of our hearing will catch it. He's beginning to, beginning, as he repeats himself uh, on a thought, he's establishing something that means something a lot to him. In other words, this is an, an emphatic mandate because this is his nature. I am a God of generations. And we're going to start from the beginning, establishing and setting in motion that in my relationship with you, in you knowing me, I'm already looking down the road because my, my kingdom is without end. Um, and so what is the blueprint? We see that these are the principles, these are the components. So now... God is going to take these components and begin to write a blueprint of how his kingdom is going to establish itself here on earth. And it's found in Deuteronomy 6. A lot of scripture today. This is a cool pro uh, progression. And to me, I just said, wow, this is incredible. First of all, uh, we'll start on chapter 6, verse 4. It says this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. Moses is, is declaring this. Because he heard it. Uh, the Lord is one. Okay, what did this do? This immediately, this was the establishment of the identity now of, of, of the Israelites. That their God, unlike any other God, within any other tribe of any other nation, which, which served multiple false gods, gods that they fashioned and thought of themselves, here's the supreme, omnipotent, one true God. I am your God, and now you are my people identity. This is who we are. Followers, covenant people with one and true God that separates us, makes us unique from everyone else. Okay, now so, what, so now what is the response of this God-established, God-proven identity? Next verse says this. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might. These words I'm writing, I'm commanding you today that shall be on your, your, your thought life, your mind, your hands, no, your heart. The immediate response of our identity of being revealed as we're finding out the character and nature of God is the response of total love. Old Testament. Already we see the type of God, the one true God is, one who wants total love. He won't relent till he has it all, goes the song from the beginning to this morning. He's not relenting until he has it all. And I thought, man, you know, I read that, and how can you command somebody to love? And uh, as I'm looking through the eyes of Papa God, his goodness, his, his kindness, his lavishness, his um, willingness to let us have free will. 
I'm seeing that that's the conditions of the covenant. It's like a marriage vow. I promise to love, honor, and cherish you. That's what it's saying. It's not that you love me or else. That's not going to work. But we know in the, in the character of God, it's like the oath or it's a vow. You shall love me and I shall love you with everything I am. And I will prove it 2,000 years later. And so, this is the premise. So let's continue and go down. So here we go again. He keeps repeating himself. You shall teach them, okay, identity and having a love relationship. Okay, good. so far so good. You shall teach them. What is he talking about? His kids, our kids. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and, and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your head, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpels of your house and on your gates. It's not just saying, you know, once a week at synagogue time, we're going to hear about God. No, we're in our home. In, we're going to, in, in our environment, we're going to create the culture based on our identity in Him and our total love for Him. That's the marinade, that's the broth that our kids, their children, their descendants were going to be immersed in, in the home. Moms and dads were going to provide who their true identity is and who, and uh, show them, invite them into a love relationship with God. Once again, what's the purpose of moms and dads in the home? Helping our kids fall in love with Him. All right, but wait, there's more. <laughs> it gets good. Okay, if then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why does God call himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He's a God of generations. To give you great and splendid cities which you did not build. What's the promise? of having an identity, of, of loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and body, and being, of creating a place where your kids can be immersed in that reality. The promises of God. The inheritances of God. Taking cities that you did not build. And houses full of all good things which you did not fill. And hewn cisterns which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. And you shall eat and be satisfied. Again, the promises of God. So what, where are we at in, this, in, in the context of this scripture? God's establishing his identity. Inviting us into a love contract with him. A love relationship, a marriage so to speak. Um, uh, based on the premise of teaching our kids, you go, it was the premise for taking the land of promise. Has God changed his ways? Has he decided not to do this a different way? No. Today, what, what is the land that God wants us to take? What's the land of promise God has? 
For we do know that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of his glory, just like the waters cover the sea. Establishing his kingdom. We've been invited to do that. And what you sow, our children are going to go to the nations. Our children are going to go to places that we have only dreamed of. God has designed that for, for us to have a vision for our sons and daughters, that their f- our ceiling is their floor. And so this is the, the premise. This is the stage that's set. This is why heaven's so excited. All right. So if we've been called and we've been commissioned, we're also... The good news is this, that as I describe this present move of God of the release, the outpouring of his presence, of his spirit, and, all, and the invitation for inheritance as sons and daughters, the removal of an orphan spirit, all of that, there's been a grace. We talked about grace during worship today. A grace that is being also released with the, the revelation of this present move of God. And I shared uh, Friday night with the uh, children's leaders, but with p- particularly with parents this morning, it's the same message. God is providing an anointing, a mantle, and a fresh identity for you as parents. And it's like a double-dipped mantle a d- of a double anointing that he's making available. As we're being invited to, to come on stage with the lights about to be turned on, for our children to be raised up and released to do amazing, mighty, wonderful things. God is going to enable us. You may say, you know, everything, everything I spoke so far this morning may be in agreement with, but you think, you know, it, the, the enemy's right there to disqualify you. I know how that works. But what I'm saying is God is overriding that. With the invitation comes the ability, his ability, because what can only be pulled off can only be pulled off by him. But he wants us to be part of it. So what is this uh, mantle like? What is, the, what is it being dipped in and dripping with right now of, of anointing and ability? Well, the first dipping is that of the revelation of being a true father and mother to facilitate what God's doing on this planet. What are, the, what are the characteristics of, of a mother and father? Well, first of all, you know, particularly with moms, it's, it's being able to nurture our kids, your children. And Proverbs 22.6 says, that we, it's a verse that we all know, we all share about, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's old, he will not depart. I mean, there will be a staying power and a residue and an effect for faithfulness, for a continued fo- uh, increase in love and following after God, fulfilling their destiny. That's the promise. But what does that mean, word train mean? It means, um, in, in this context, I discovered how a nursemaid holding a newborn who maybe is not, not feeding yet, she dips her hand in dates, her fingers, and begins to touch the palate of the, ba- of the newborn. The response of the newborn to that sweetness is to suck 
and, and the baby can begin to feed. And, and how intimate. And how, you know, and how, 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 how careful is, is that illustration of how we are to feed our kids the goodness of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, so often we tell our kids what not to do. How many times do we get to tell our kids to taste and see how good God is? Don't do this, don't do that. We, don't, 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 I don't want you to do that. You know, in, in our hopes of their behavior, but we're not after their behavior. We're after their being. We're after their heart. And to begin to create a place where our kids... Now, and this is for a children's church, Sunday school room. It's for our homes. Beginning to just nurture and, and talking about and demonstrating just the goodness and, and how good God tastes. Creating that place. And so that is a key characteristic of, of fathers and mothers. What's, a, what's another one? Well, mother and father um, um, champion and cheer on their kids when they come home and do something well. Maybe they did well at, at the soccer game or baseball game or got a great report card or did something really good. And they really cheer that child and encourage that child. They're really there for them as a cheerleader, as a coach on the sidelines, uh, wanting their kids to do excellent, wanting them to do well. Fathers, true fathers and mothers aren't jealous or feel threatened when our kids do well. And in this present move of God, there are more and more fathers and true mothers coming into leadership to facilitate this move so that churches, ministries, and people aren't being controlled by an elder brother spirit who's jealous, suspicious, and feels threatened when others rise up. I can truthfully say Pastor Eric is a father in this house. You know, he had nothing but incredible things, and he's so proud of you guys. Talking about the, the things, the good things that he sees in you and the things that you're doing and the victories you're having. Instead of being a, a control model of leadership, you guys are experiencing an empowerment, an empowerment leadership model where he wants to see you thrive and fulfill what God's called in your lives. You're very fortunate for that. But as moms and dads, we want to see our kids rise. Again, like I said, being uh, where our kids' floor is our ceiling. They're going to do things that we've only dreamed about. That's, that's what a father and mother does. Another thing that we as uh, parents do in the natural is we want to gather an inheritance to the best of our ability so that we can give it to our kids so that they can get that jump start so they can go beyond ourselves. College education and whatever, we want provision and to be able, as we can, to, be, to facilitate and give them the advantage. And so I would say in, in, the, sp in the kingdom, in the spiritual realm, you know, how many are walking today with more than from the Lord than they did five years ago? How many are walking in a different step, in a different way, in a different revelation, a truer 
a true revelation. That's your inheritance. Uh, and we're, 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 we're admonished not to consume the children's bread, but what you carry, your walk, your relationship, what you know to be true about God is that inheritance to give to our kids. And so those are some of the key, uh, key characteristics of, of a mom and dad. But another thing that a, a parents have is we have a vision, a vision for their kids. We've all dreamed about and thought about what our kids would become when they're older. And I can truthfully say that there's no mom or dad in this house that has a dream for their son or daughter to be in middle management or to be just a, a floor sweeper, a ditch digger, or anything like that. I mean, and you ask a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? You'll never hear those things from them. They want to be great. They want to be a star. They want to be, they want to be up here, not somewhere on the floor unnoticed. You know, there's that inherent desire to be great that we as moms and dads need to feed. And I'm sure many of you do that. And you pour in, you affirm, because the enemy's threatened. The world is inferior. And it's going to do everything it can to bring our kids down with lies. And so it's our privilege, it's our responsibility to, to keep them lifted up as a true mother and father would. So, so what is our vision for our kids? What is the vision when you see your, your children when they come home at home, come, come at home, when you think about them, when you see them, maybe days are just so busy and full of stuff that we don't even pause to think. Papa God has a vision for our kids. And there's going to be known, and there is known today in heaven, of a great and mighty generation that's very famous in heaven. It's a generation that does exist. John saw it when he wrote the book of Revelation. And he records it in chapter um, 11, or 12, uh, verse 11. I want to read that. So we started in Genesis, and now we're in Revelation. I think I've got it covered. Revelation twelve eleven. John saw this. Uh, it's like a marquee. There's this famous generation or famous group that's known in heaven, and here he's recording what the angel comes out and announces and recognizes like this marquee of, uh, you, know, you know, Indiana winning the championship here. Uh, and it says this, and, the, and the, the, the angel talks about the characteristics that made this generation famous and known in heaven, known as the overcomers. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony and they did not love their life, even when faced with death. This generation exists. And, he's, and although um, John saw something in the future, it's coming back. God's taking us back to the future today. 
we know for certain that generation exists and is known in heaven when we don't. The only question is, is it our kids that they're talking about? Is it us that they're talking about here? 12.11, previous, oh, okay. Overcame by the blood of the Lamb because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. Okay, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. What does that mean? I shared Friday night how, it, to me, I, I see that this generation, our kids, would be genuinely saved. Totally um, transformed by the blood of Jesus. They've accepted, they've received, they've been Jesus, they've been washed by his blood. But it doesn't end there. And I shared the other night that, that imagine this being the cross with our sin nailed to it and then obliterated. But when we receive this forgiveness, the cross lays down, becomes the bridge to the throne into the lap of the Father. If we love Jesus, if we're followers of him, you know, in this move of God, we talk a lot about Father God. But we're talking about Father God and the revelation of Father God and sitting in his lap kissing him. You know why? It's because we love and recognize what Jesus did. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Not a single person here comes to the Father but by me. I am so willing to lay down my life and to be butchered on the cross because I see the joy set before me when my kids can, can now come on this cross as a bridge to the lap of my father and receive their inheritance. If we sit in the lap of the father, we are fulfilling the mission statement of Jesus. It's the best way we can love and honor and follow him by ending up in the lap of Papa God. It's that simple. That was the deal. Jesus and the Father had. And Jesus, in his blood, bleeding and torment and anguish and pain, could look and obey and go through it. Because he knew what it would mean to the Father when our sons and daughters, when we ourselves, can be wet kissed by Papa God. And it was worth it. I aren't you glad? And so being overcomers by the blood of, lam of the Lamb and knowing the Father, having a, an affection, where their affection now is for, for more of God and because he's good, because they heard his voice and they know his kindness, know his forgiveness, they know his lavish love language of giving gifts. And they want more of him more than they want the world. That they're sanctified unto him because they want more of him, not because they're re not sinning. Sanctification is, never takes place by not sinning. 
Sanctification takes place by coming unto the intimacy with God. We don't ever back into the lap of the Father by avoiding sin. The prodigal son did not meet his father again walking backwards from the pigsty. But he came to the father's open arms. That's how we overcome with that degree of relationship. And because of their testimony, they overcame our kids. This generation is going to overcome because of their testimony that's made up of the displays of the power and love of God. They will have a story to say, a story to tell. They will say, to speak of the things that they saw the power of God do because they full of the Holy Spirit and his power. That's the inheritance for our kids. That's what we get to um, um, provide an opportunity as a church, as a home, merge together. That's God's plan. And they love not their life even unto death. This generation that overcomes is known for their courage. Think back of Daniel and his friends kidnapped taken from the clutches of their secure home their godly Hebrew homes and thrust into the most reprobate sinful dark culture known to man and I use Daniel in, 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 in as a, a relevant context for what we want for our kids today if he and his friends were taken, and they, and you know, I always look back. How, what was there in the core of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which were not their original names, but they were the Babylonian names, and you know what those names meant? The change of the names from their Hebrew to their uh, Chaldean names was servants of of Baal, servants of of false gods. So every time their name was mentioned they were reminded or told that now they are a servant of a false god. Talk about a peer pressure. <laughs> and it gets worse. But, but they, they drew a line in the sand and said, we will not compromise. What was there when they were young? What was going on in their home? Because they weren't just obeying law. They were walking out a relationship with God. Well, Daniel and his friends were born during revival, the 18th year of Josiah, uh, where Josiah restored the temple and brought the word of God back into the temple and into the home. So if God, you know, the word of God was now being um, ministered in the homes now during this, um, Josiah's revival, you know, what was Daniel hearing? What was his marinade in his home? And I look back and... Deuteronomy 6 was the scriptures that were being brought out of hiding, out of ruin, and brought into the restored temple and into the, into the homes. Daniel knew and was told and learned about the law of love.
It's the only thing that he and his friends could have had that would have caused them to not compromise. They knew their God. Not by Torah memorization, but because they were walking and living the reality of it. That's what was provided for them. That was the key. And so, it goes on today. So a fearless generation that knows God, that is empowered by His Holy Spirit, is a hallmark of a generation that's going to overcome. It also, we also have the invitation for it to be the characteristics of our own kids, of this present generation as well. So how do we do it? You know, I just laid out this lofty vision and dream that God has for us. But here's where the second dipping of that mantle comes into play. Not only is the, the mantle for true fathers and mothers to be placed on us, but also the second dipping is that of how, of how we function. We function as priests in our home, in our children's ministry. And so what is the function of a, pri of a priest? It's one who uh, stands in the gap for the people. We as parents get to intercede and pray, not what we don't see in our kids, but what God sees in them. You don't know what God sees in them, spend some time. God, tell me about your dreams for my sons and daughters. I might be struggling with that. Or maybe you've told me and I'd remind me. And when we begin to uh, stand in the gap for our kids and begin to speak the blessings, the promise, and the destiny of our kids, we make that choice. We may feel brokenhearted and, and sick about what's going on. I've been there. But when I made this choice of going from seeing what wasn't to coming into agreement and into alignment with what God wants and sees and has purposed, there was a shift, dramatic shift in my own being and in for them. So I'm saying that this works. I'm not just telling you ideas. This is true in my life. And we, be, we can stand in the gap for our kids and just begin to speak and to bless and and speak into them and over them. Well, uh, and, we also, and, and what else does a priest do? He ministers unto God. We have, if, if we want to impart, we can no longer just teach our kids, but what God is a making available, this manna from heaven cannot just be taught, but it has to be imparted. And we know that we cannot impart what we don't possess. So as we minister to God in our relationship, and you know this church provides such a, a venue to receive from God, and that's awesome, to, to just receive the, re the truth and reality and begin to possess his presence in such an overflowing way that we can give it to, to them. Is, is, is key. The other function of a priest is providing a place of encounter for God, for, for our kids from God. You know, wonder, you know, what, 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 what does a kingdom house look like? 
you know, I, I, and I'm just, I, I think of three things. Our, our home needs to be um, a fortress. In other words, a place of protection. It needs to be a refuge, a place of peace. And within that, within those, those walls, the core, the center, it needs to be a sanctuary, a place of presence. And I just wanted to focus on, on that for the remaining few minutes. That this altar of encounter, think back in Samuel chapter, chapter 3, where, Eli, where uh, Eli allowed Samuel to come in. Samuel was dedicated, which was a key part by his mom, Hannah, dedicated unto the Lord. And that's something that each and every one of us can do for our kids but brought him in, and that dedication brought him into the temple or the, or the ambient pr presence of God. But then what Eli did, taking Samuel and bringing him in and teaching him how to minister to God, and that meant tanning hides, carrying water, and sweeping the floors. But that was training. And one of his jobs was to be a sentinel and make sure that that oil lamp next to the Ark of the Covenant or the presence of God would never go out. So he would lay still at night, not asleep. But it was in that venue of resting and being still in the presence of God, which sounds a lot like soaking in God's presence. <laughs> and that's why we call Samuel the first super soaker. And it was in this venue that God spoke to Samuel in this quiet place where he heard God, did not recognize him because the word of the Lord was so rare. And it even said that Samuel did not know, did not even know um, God. But what that meant was he did never experience the manifest presence. He was aware of God in that temple. But here, a rarity of all rarities, God manifests. And on the fourth time that uh, God spoke to Samuel, he appeared. And it was at that point of encounter created by the priest Eli, that Samuel, the little boy, encountered God, and there was a transformation. It was the invitation to Samuel's destiny at that point. And Samuel stepped into his destiny when he chose to obey that hard word that the Lord gave him to give to Eli. But God has not changed his MO, his method. Just like we get, when we come into the intimacy and the presence of God, we hear his voice, um, we encounter his manifest presence, we, our hearts, get transformed. How much more for our own kids would we want that? And so God wants to commission and to equip us to create this place of encounter for our kids. Uh, so much more. I wish I had time. But what I want, just want to say is that this is the invitation. And this is also the facilitation and the, and the equipping God wants to even give us in this invi invite.
finally, it's, it's again, I said that, you know, this is the heart of God. And he's going to have his way. This generation does exist when we don't know. We, I think we have a say in it, though. And God wants to partner. He wants to work with us. He wants to bring these puzzle pieces together to show the world the kingdom through us and our children. Because this is what God ultimately wants to do. It's 1 Samuel 2.35. This is what he's after. Listen to this. It's like this was the heart and dream of God for Samuel, but it's also the heart and dream for each and every one of our kids. And this is with the, and with the expectation that the priest, Eli, would do this. I said, but I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my soul. And I will build him an enduring house, and he will, ask, he will walk before my anointed always. It's like four things that God dreams to establish and build in an overcoming generation. What God wants for each and every son and daughter that we have. He wants to raise up. He wants to put in a, a place of elevated position. He wants to raise up a generation that will be noticed, not just hidden, but noticed on the platforms of influence. Not just hiding from Babylon, but being brought in to the um, king's court and, and given a voice to where even a reprobate king would recognize the God of Daniel and, and praise him. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. What kind of people? Is this generation going to be one who is are faithful, who are committed, who are following, whose affection is on him and not on the world, ones who are not wavering, ones who are not irresponsible? I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, priests who are ministers, who will do according to what is in my heart, and in my soul. So connected with Father God that they know his ways, not just his acts. Moses, known as a friend of God, knew um, God's ways. A generation that will know the heart of God because they experience the heart of God. They'll know the thoughts of God. They'll know his ways, what he's thinking, what he wants. How are our kids going to have um, be, to enter a, a platform of influence when they know, recognize and know God's voice and they get the solutions, downloads to this planet's problems? I could go into uh, examples of countries that were facing um, calamity, were desperate, seeking answers, and God gave solutions to his people. They came to the president. They came to the leaders with the solution and the doors opened up and there was revival in those countries on large scales and small scales but that's how God wants to operate that's how he wants to bring the Daniels to a, a platform a voice in schools in education in government in church and in family in, in the economics and entertainment world 
God wants, has a solution, and he wants to share it with those who are faithful and who are trustworthy. And I will build him an enduring house. There's going to be a legacy for this generation that God wants to build, that only he can build. You know, we're either at a place of apocalypse or antichrist coming up on the scene or um, an awakening. An awakening is a, is a revival that lasts for decades and decades and decades and has global implications. One of the past awakenings was one with Wilberforce and the end of slavery. It's that significant. And he will walk before my anointed. Meaning that this generation, God intends to be influential over those who make decisions that changes cultures. So that's the heart of God. That's the invitation. And so, as I've just, you know, from Scripture and quite a few Scriptures, just laid out the heart, the plan, and the ways of God. You know, and I talked about this invitation at where we're at right now. And I've heard uh, this weekend from a number of you that as God was speaking and touching and just inviting to, you know, to, to, to step up, to rise up, there was a lot of talk about how there was regret of the past or where they may have failed. They felt like they, f they failed with their other children. But here's, a, here's what I want to say about that. We do not have permission to look back. God is not giving us permission to look back any more than you can drive forward by looking in the rearview mirror. The only th permission that we have when we look back is to see the pile of stones like Joshua built at the, the riverbank of Jordan, testifying of his faithfulness. When you look back, that's all you have permission to see of his faithfulness. Because God is the God of now and of your future. A future that he has good plans for you. A hope and a promise. And he has forgotten the past. Not only is the God of the, is the, God of the present and the future, but he's also a God that has has more for you. He's the God of second, third, and fourth chances. He's the God of the seven times 70 chances. And we also heard testimonies of how now, how, how grandmas and, and, and adults are ha once again having this opportunity to minister to children, even though they may feel and have been condemned by the enemy of failing in the past. So that's not an excuse, and I just want to say, leave it behind, because God's left it behind. And so where are we? There's an invitation for these two mantles of true fathers and mothers, of, of being a true priest to minister and to be key in creating a kingdom culture for our children to rise up be, to be that overcoming generation. And that's where we are.
And one thing, I, I feel comfortable in sharing these words here because I know the leadership is echoing that same heartbeat to facilitate, to equip, to encourage, to affirm every family, every adult, every parent here. And so what I want to do just now is I really feel led that God wants to do something in a response this morning for those of you that heard the word and are in agreement. But you say, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel adequate, you know. I wasn't adequate. I didn't want kids when I got married. I couldn't speak in front of people. You know, it's a big laugh up in heaven when I said that. <laughs> so the, again, there's no excuses because the invitation is for his ability to be ra laid on you. You know, you think about, I, I'm so inadequate, I can't do it. Um, but God has been known to burn even wet wood. And if there's wet wood out there, I could not allow a fire to be lit. Your candidates. He's not looking for resumes. He's not looking for experience. He's not looking for anointings. He's looking for hearts. Hearts to fill. Hearts to display. Hearts that are desperate. Hearts that need him to do this. Then he gets the glory, guys. So I'm on, I just want to just pray, and then if you feel prompted, if God is saying, I want you to come forward because I have something for you this morning, this afternoon. If you're saying yes to, to what his word has said, what the Holy Spirit's saying right now, well, I just want to invite you to come up. We just want to minister. But more importantly, Jesus just wants to come and lay this mantle on you as a mom and dad. So, Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the open heaven and for what I, I just trusted that was your way, having your way today, to impress, to, to, to invite, to challenge, but to also to love, to embrace, and to equip and to partner with the moms and dads in this house, with the adults in this house. Who those that would say yes to wanting to see a generation to be raised and released to fulfill your destiny, Jesus, of inheriting the nations and being glorified. So we just ask you, God, we just thank you for this hour. In Jesus' name. Well, I'm just going to have everybody stand. I think we'll do it this way. If you want to just say yes, I just want you to hold out your hands and just invite Jesus to come right now. Thank you. Um, it's, it's for all of us. If you have a, a, 
a neighbor kid next door. So um, God has just invited us to be a part of transforming our neighborhood, our homes, our neighborhoods, our cities, our nation. So I just wanted to share that. So don't feel like you're not, if you're a parent, don't, don't feel like you're being left out because God has invited all of us in all capacities. So let's just uh, invite Jesus to come with what, what he has in his hands, what he has for you. If that's your heart, say, Jesus, well, I want to receive your ability. I want to receive your anointing. I cannot do this myself. It's just my heart says yes, but my hands are weak. And even I, I might be fighting my past failures. Well, that's the enemy. Jesus, I just need to look at you right now. The rest doesn't matter right now. But what's in your heart? And I just want to say yes. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know how I could pull it off, but I'm going to trust you to make it happen. I just want you to have your way in my life, Jesus. I want Papa God to be glorified. I do want my kids to be on that marquee of being the overcoming generation, of bringing your glory, your heaven to earth, that your kingdom would come in advance to your glory, to your delight, to your pleasure. Lord, I see my children as being the fruit bearers, and I, I want them to be rooted into my home, into my inheritance, into my legacy. So, God, make it happen. I receive this mantle. Show me, even though I may not have had a, a father or a mother that I could model after, I have you to model after. Give me wisdom along with this anointing along with this ability. Cover me. Enable me. Be my strength. Be my power. Be my words. Be my touch to my children and to those whom you've given to me. Show me what it means to be a priest. How could I actually do this in a home? Show me. I'm all ears and I'm open heart. I really believe God would hear that prayer. Jesus would hear it. He's releasing his Holy Spirit, his enabling power for a shift in our culture, a shift in destiny, and a fulfillment of the dreams God has for us as a people. Lord, we just thank you for right now, this defining moment for this house, for these homes, for this generation. And we bless and we trust in you that you will have your way as we say yes to you. In Jesus' name.
um, if the prayer team would come up, if um, that's okay, um, if there's other people that like some prayer for this, I know it can seem overwhelming. How can I do this in my home? But I feel like if we just ask God for one thing, He'll give us that one thing that we can do to introduce the presence of God in our homes. So, prayer team, if you guys don't mind, if you want prayer, come forward. If not, you're free to leave. Um, I want to thank Mike and Marilyn for coming again. And we just send you off with blessings.